I'm Rachel. And I'm Tristan. And today is Monday, so that means it's another Marvel Monday. Today we're going to be reviewing the 2011 Marvel movie Thor. This is the movie, of course, directed by Kenneth Branagh and written by Ashley Miller, Zach Stentz, and Don Payne. And it is starring Chris Hemsworth as Thor, Natalie Portman as Jane Foster, Tom Hiddleston as Loki, Anthony Hopkins as Odin, Stellan Skarsgård as Eric Selvig, and Kat Dennings as Darcy Lewis. All right, so this is going to be a nitty-gritty review, so we're going to be going through every category of the grid, and I know we have a lot to say about this movie, um, so this is probably going to be a little bit of a longer review. <laughs> I think we've got lots of good things to say. Oh, yeah. And before we uh, really get started with the grid, if you're interested in taking a look at our grid rating system, um, you can go ahead and check that out over at the Gritty Films website. So that's going to be grittyfilms.com slash the grid, and then that's going to be Gritty Films, spelled G-R-I-D-D-Y, films.com. Um, but before we jump into the grid, I just want to talk a little bit, like we usually do, um, just about um, our experiences with this movie and all that good stuff. Um, so was this one, had you seen this movie in theaters? Yes, I did, with okay. you. It was the first Marvel movie we saw together. Okay, that's what I was wondering, because I saw the release date of 2011. I'm like, we were together then. Was, was this the first one I took you to? Yeah. And I couldn't remember... I don't know if I should admit that. I, I didn't remember, but... <laughs> I did remember. So was this the, the first Marvel movie you had seen then? I doubt it, because I doubt you would take me to see a movie that's the fourth movie in a series <laughs> without watching the first three movies. All right, fair enough. About how many times did... We've probably seen it about the same amount of times then. Uh, I've probably seen it five times. That seems about right. More than any of the others. Yeah, this is definitely, I think, has more repeatability. Oh, yeah, me too. Uh, first of all, just because I love this movie so much. And there's so much in it. I, I still notice things for the first time. Oh, yeah, me too. There were several things, or at least a couple things. It's not that crazy. <laughs> there were a few things that I noticed this time around that I hadn't noticed before. Yeah, I just think this is just a, a well-crafted movie, and I'm, I'm excited to, to talk about it. Yeah, me too. All right. Um, so that said, should we just hop right into the grid and, and get into our, our love of Thor? Sounds good. <laughs> All right. I can't wait. All right. So the, the first category of the grid is going to be writing, plot, and genre. Um, is there anything anything you want to start us off with with this category? I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> there is a lot to cover. Um, I just think right off the bat, this is um, probably the most well-structured script within the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah? Um, I just think the... I mean, the plot structure is solid, and the, I mean, it's just so about the characters, which, which of course, we'll get into in the next category, yeah, but just, will. just, yeah, but the, I mean, the characters drive the, the plot, and, and really, um, well, I guess that's it, just the characters drive the plot in ways that, that tend to get lost in a lot of movies, and especially superhero movies, where it's usually, right. here's the bad guy, here's the good guy, good guy's gonna fight the bad guy. And I mean, even Iron Man, which I really like that movie, that's pretty much the movie right. is Tony Stark builds a suit. Another person builds a suit. Now they're going to fight. Yeah. And, and there's just so much more complexity to this. And it's so just Shakespearean and not just, I mean, obviously people talk about, you know, the dialogues and the, the accents and all of that good yeah. stuff that, that give it that vibe. And obviously we've got Kenneth Branagh as the director, which, which we'll get into much more, or at least I know I will in, yeah. in some of the later categories. Um, so there are other things at work, but, but even just the, 
just the plot structure, you know, two brothers both vying for the throne. Right. One brother, you know, tricks the father into banishing the other or manipulates the situation at least to, to get the end result that he wants and, you know, lying and betrayal and, you know, having yeah. to, to prove your worth and prove you can be king. Like, it's just so, just such a classic story and, and so Shakespearean and, and just just phenomenally well done. I I cannot say enough good things about um, particularly the, the just the plot structure is just on point. Yeah. But even just every every subcategory within this category is just phenomenally strong. You have the like I was saying the the outer goals that drive the plot, and, and you have Thor's you know his outer goals change pretty fluidly as he as he grows as a character. You know, has his internal needs right. change and and are met. Um, or at least developed in different ways, you know, as as those more emotional things develop, the outer goals start to shift. Um, and so it starts off being, you know, very selfish. I, you know, yeah. gonna, gonna defeat the frost giants. I want to go to war. And then I need to find my hammer because I need to get my power back. And then by the end of the movie, it's, you know, I need to, to solve this problem with my brother to save all these other people's lives. So I'm going to sacrifice myself. Right. And he, he focuses on getting all the innocent people out of the way. Exactly. Rather than, you know, having a good time smashing things. Exactly. And I love that, you know, when, when we see him fight the Frost Giants and his friends are, are falling in battle around him and they're like, hey, we need to retreat. And he's like, yeah, yeah, you do whatever you want. I'm going to keep fighting. Whatever. Like, he doesn't even seem to care. Right. He's like smiling and laughing and having a good time. Exactly. And then by the end, it's very much so, you know, it's, it's the opposite. Like, he's still... <laughs> telling them to go and he's going to stay and fight, but it's the motivations are so different. He's, you know, going right. to them and helping them escape and, and convincing them. Like, you know, Sif is saying like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to die next to you in battle. It's going to be, it's going to be a worthy death. And he's like, no, like you're, you have fought valiantly. Go live to tell this story. Like, right. And he convinces her to leave. Um, so just the, the, the plot structure in that regard, I, I, that's dipping into, <laughs> into characters, but I mean, the, the plot is so tied to characters with this movie. Um, so it's just, I mean, everything within this category I thought was was really, really strong. Um, there is one fault that I can find, but I, I'm hogging the conversation. I need to okay. let you jump in here. <laughs> um, well, so far, I totally agree 100%, except the possibility that there may be some fault. I don't know about <laughs> that. We'll see. Yeah, I, I love the structure. I love how he changes. I love the outer goals, all that. Uh, I also really liked how well it tied in with the other movies, especially with S.H.I.E.L.D. and the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. Uh, there were several references to other movies. Yeah. So that was really, really cool. I liked that too. And I like um, I like that S.H.I.E.L.D. is such an antagonist in this movie. Like yeah. they're they're not necessarily, like, they're not, we were just talking earlier about a completely different topic, but about how there's a difference between villains and antagonists. And I think that's, yeah. I, I wasn't sure I, I agreed with you. And then after thinking about it and applying it with this movie, I mean, because they, they are, there's no other way to, to categorize them. They are getting in the way of the protagonist's goals. Right. That is the definition of an antagonist. But they're not um, evil. They're not no. bad guys. They're just doing their own job. Right. But yeah, they're in the way still. Yeah. So I did like that. And it's interesting just thinking of this movie in terms of the Marvel Cinematic Universe timeline. Like we have, you know, Iron Man kind of deals with S.H.I.E.L.D. And 
I don't even remember if Incredible Hulk did. I feel like maybe there were references a little bit. Uh, I guess it was mostly the mm. government with that one, though. But so we have, like, little bits of S.H.I.E.L.D. there, and they're kind of, like, a nuisance a little bit for Tony Stark, and that's about it. He, yeah, Agent Coulson just seemed like a like a kid who was pestering him too much. Right. So then to jump from that to this, where S.H.I.E.L.D. is, like, the men in black, or, you know, they're, right. they're the bad guys in a lot of ways. And then right after this, we have... Captain America, where it's like the birth of S.H.I.E.L.D. and they're kind of uh, morally ambiguous, at least, uh, like as far as like wanting to create a super soldier to fight in the army. Like there's a lot of uh, iffiness, but they're the good guys. It's been a long time since I've seen that movie. We'll talk about it much more next week. But yeah, so then that, S.H.I.E.L.D. plays an interesting role in that. And then jumping to Avengers, where S.H.I.E.L.D. is a good guy. Like it's just... Yeah. The, like, just thinking of it in terms of the timeline is just really interesting. Um, I thought they handled it really well of being like, well, like, yeah, they kind of do these things that are annoying, but, like, they are the good guys. But yeah. But they're still, like... Right. Um, yeah. Dr. Selvig even says that uh, one of his co-workers was, like, the leading pioneer in gamma radiation. Yeah. But then he disappeared after right. talking to S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. Which... One ties it into the the rest of the universe, and two shows that they're the antagonists. Yeah. Yeah, and and a Bruce Banner reference. Yeah. So. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Was there anything else you wanted to add before I I mention my flaw? Um, <laughs> no, not for the plot and genre and world building. All right. Um. So the one thing that bothers me a little bit within the plot structure, and this might be getting a little nitpicky. <laughs> One of the things that bothers me is the love interest or the, the relationship that forms between them. Like I'm yeah. I'm so on board for the first two acts because it's like this weird, like she's almost starstruck around him, like more so than like flirtatious. Like it's almost right. like, not even necessarily because he's like a god because she doesn't quite know that until later, but it's like, oh, he could be the key to my research. Like it's like this curiosity and like wanting to like this search for knowledge and like it's more of that. And it's still like that's tied in with the flirtation. Certainly I'm not saying yeah, there's, right. there's not that there, but like that's the motivation for it. It's like she wants answers and she sees the answers in him. And so like she's attracted to him and, and, and he's Thor. So I mean, right, of course sure. there's going to be attraction <laughs> Um, and then hey, he is just kind of going along with it. Like he's just like, sure, this is cool. I'm on an adventure, and I met someone right. cool. Like so, it just seems like like almost like a juvenile infatuation, flirtation. Okay. Like I don't know, like sexually charged for sure. But it doesn't feel like they fell in love, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. Like it's like oh, they just have like this fun, flirtatious. You know, they've got chemistry there. They're curious about each other. It's fun. And then all of a sudden in the last act, it's like, I'll come back for you. And she's searching for him ceaselessly. And it just turns into this, like, they're each other's soulmates. And I'm like, where did this come from? They had, like, a brief flirtation. Like, they were cute. I I want them to work it out. But, like, what? Where? It just seemed to come out of nowhere. It did seem a a little much. I think she could be searching for him, not, like... Because they're soulmates, and not just because of that, but still because he's part of the part of this whole puzzle that she's figuring out. But yeah, I think a large large part of it is you know she looks like what she looks like, he looks like what he looks like, so they have to get together. And I but, mean, I don't yeah. blame him. If I was Chris yeah. Hemsworth, I would be attracted to Natalie Portman. If I was Natalie Portman, I'd be attracted to Chris Hemsworth. Like they're ridiculously attractive individuals. Um, so I mean, and that's why like I get the sexual tension, I get the the flirtatiousness, I get the chemistry, like all of it makes sense. Yeah. 
it's just that sudden switch in the last act to yeah, like, I, like, oh, this isn't just flirtatious. We're totally in love, guys. And just every time it, it bothers me enough that I, I did take some points off. I know what you mean. And I think I agree that they, they went a little too much with the relationship thing. But I thought that was just sort of like you, you have to do that in this kind of movie. You have to have the love interest. You have to yeah do that. It I mean, didn't bother I, me that much. Yeah. But I, I agree that some people could consider that a flaw <laughs> in the writing. All right. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add for writing, plot, and genre? No, I don't think so. All right. Uh, what was your final score? A 9.6. Outstanding. I gave it a 9.7. Outstanding. Hmm. <laughs> All right. So that brings us to the second category, which is going to be writing characters. Um, we kind of started to... to dip our toes in this a little bit yeah um and i think it i mean it's just definitely the whole plot is driven by thor's inner needs which i just love oh, yeah. uh, i mean his whole thing is like he's he's a arrogant aggressive yeah. prince and he needs to learn to be like a wise king and, and he needs to learn what it means to to lead like that's his whole right. deal he needs to become worthy and it's just great. And as far as origin stories go, like, it's just, it's fantastic. Um, just because, like, it's it's not about the powers you have. It's about what you do to earn it. Right. Um, which is just... Your character. Exactly. So I just love that the, the focus is on, you know, are you worthy of having these powers? Not how did you get these powers? Which, right. I mean, he gets the powers because of his worth, but... Um, it's just a different focus, which I, I really like. And I think it, it makes his origin story by far the best in the in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree completely. I think this is a, a really great origin story. And it's interesting that it starts out with him, you know, a, you know seconds away from being crowned king. And, and then it all falls to shit because he's an arrogant uh, boy. Right. right. They they call him that many, many times. And I think that's really great. And he has to make himself worthy. It's, yeah, by far my favorite origin story in Marvel. I also think that Loki is also a really interesting character. Oh, yeah. And it's not just, right, he's not a bad guy just because he wants power or because he just woke up and decided to be evil or, or whatever. He feels justified, and maybe he is justified. And it's, it's at least understandable. Yeah, he is a really interesting character. Um, I guess I don't have much to add to that. I'm just agreeing. <laughs> um, One of the things that I like about Loki that's pretty uncommon for the villain is that, like I just said, I can understand why they believe this. And right. maybe it is justified. Like, if you look at it a certain way and maybe ignore a few things here and there, it actually is justified. And that's pretty rare. But what's even more rare than that is when the good guy also sees that the, the person has a point. And, and yeah. even if they don't agree with it, they'll they'll take it into consideration or, or, or it will change them somehow. Because yeah. in the end, he ends up defeating the destroyer by apologizing to his brother and sacrificing himself. And that proves that he's worthy. And then he beats the shit out of it. But, <laughs> but yeah. ultimately, it's because he tried to save everyone else first. And then he told his friends, oh, I have a plan. He yeah. thinks it's going to be something badass, but he just apologizes. And I thought that was really cool. I agree. Yeah, I think they always say, like, a villain, like, is never the villain of their own story. Like, everybody right. is, is the hero from their perspective. And I think that's 
almost always lost in Marvel movies. And and Loki, I think that's one of the reasons, if not the reason, that he's, you know, not just a favorite villain for, for fans, but he's, like, a favorite character. Like, he's just a, a fan favorite in general. Oh, yeah. And I think it's because he does, he has that aspect of, like, like, he is 100% the hero in his story. Like, he's doing things that he thinks are, that are just it, and he wants to... Right. You know, be equals with Thor, and, and that's why he wants to take the throne, and he wants to, I don't know, get revenge for his, his not his adoption necessarily, but the, the lies he's been told, and, and yeah. like, he's like, he's upset about that, and that's, yeah, like, not only totally was he, yeah, like, he was adopted without being told, and it was from, you know, the kingdom's worst enemy, and he was, he's basically, like, a pawn of his father's, to be like, yeah, I wanted, like, you know, peace between the kingdoms, so I just kind of took right. you, and... Surprise! Shakespearean, <laughs> exactly. Or like old Greek mythology, or yeah. Something. Yeah, it's just, uh, just, yeah, just great um, character arcs all around. Like not just with Thor, but with Loki as well, which, yeah. which is super rare. And and one of the reasons this is, you know, one of the best movies in my opinion in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. Um, it's also yeah. great that this whole thing was like orchestrated by him. This was all some yeah. genius plan of his, right? And it worked yeah <laughs> agreed <laughs> classic trickster i also really like um i do think it's worth talking a little bit about um the dialogue in the movie oh yeah um, it's just so i mean i talked a little bit obviously about how you know it's it's very shakespearean yeah. um which i think is part of what makes it so unique i mean you have you know tony stark has a very unique way of speaking as well and then you have this very no pun intended, stark contrast of, <laughs> you know, he's very blunt and quick and, and acerbic. And then you have, you know, this Shakespearean Thor come into the picture. Um, so it just adds variety to the characters um, within the MCU as a whole. And it's just some really well-written stuff. Um, oh, yeah. Like, just 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 great dialogue all around. Um, and even, even the stuff on Earth, like, you have... Um, like some of Jane Foster's lines are are great, but, and a lot of it's just the delivery, which we'll get to in acting and casting. But yeah. like when she's at the hospital, it's like, what's his name? It's like he said it was Thor, <laughs> and like that shouldn't be that funny of a line, but just between yeah, uh, just the the context and the delivery, like there's just little things like that that's just great within the dialogue, and and I think it's because of the contrast between this highly Shakespearean, highly fantasy driven, yeah, you know epic that's happening but it's happening in the real world so you have this great contrast yeah um and i think Tar darcy that character as well is just a great um although she gets a little heavy-handed at times <laughs> but for most of the movie it she does a great job of, of balancing a lot yeah. of that too yeah all, all three of them darcy jane and uh Eric Selvig. Selvig. yeah i i noticed that this time when they're on screen for like the first 10 minutes that they're on screen Almost every single line that they deliver is funny. Yeah. I don't know how they do it, but almost yeah. every single line is funny. Yeah, it's just great um, chemistry, I guess, or just good comedic timing between the three. They're just... Yeah. Man, we'll get more into it in the next category. But yeah, the acting and casting... The acting and casting combined with, with the excellent script just really... Yeah. Man, they got the combination just right. <laughs> yeah. I also scored the dialogue really high, and part of the reason is because there's a lot of subtle hints... And a lot of yeah. subtleties, once you know, once you've seen this a few times, yeah. like uh, Odin tells his two kids, 
Uh, you were both born to rule, but only one of you can ascend the throne. Yeah. Once you realize that Loki should be the king of the uh, ice giants, that takes on a different tone. And there was just a ton of humor. I noticed that too, especially um, in comparison with the movies we've watched so far. We've talked a lot in the last three reviews about how like, well, it's kind of still getting its getting its footing. Yeah. And I kept saying like, oh, I, I think we have to wait till Avengers. And I'm like, no, it really kind of starts here. I almost said something last time, but I didn't <laughs> want to spoil the surprise. I mean, I remember there being humor, but not quite as much, which is just really good too, because like a lot of people criticize this movie because they feel like Thor should be a sillier character overall. And I thought that this movie took his character too seriously by making it show so Shakespearean. That, that's one of the criticisms I've heard. And we'll get more... Um, once we go through the whole grade and yeah. give our final scores and everything, I'd like to, to address some of the common complaints in much more detail um, because I do think it's interesting that a lot of people don't like this movie nearly as much as we do. Yeah, I don't understand um, that. So I'd like to, to give some counter-arguments to, to some of the common complaints. Yeah, so, so one of the complaints that, that I hear a lot is that you know, this movie just takes Thor too seriously. But I thought they did a, a really good job of, of balancing yeah, the you... silliness of the character, but still having like you know he's not the butt of the joke he's just a fish out of water and there's there's a little bit of humor there yeah. um, i mean the, the whole first 40 minutes of the movie is him getting hit by cars uh, <laughs> him not knowing what's going on him getting tasered two or three times him getting injected with drugs and passing out him getting yeah. the crap beat out of him it's like I, I, I don't know it does take him seriously but at the same time yeah it's dumped on a lot and there is also just just amazing humor all around him so that's kind of weird one last thing for dialogue i i just noticed this watching it this time for like the fifth or sixth time and it was just another one of those little things that, that really adds to it a very subtle thing towards the end thor is talking to agent colson and he calls him son of cole yeah. And he does it so quick and so he like he delivers it so straightly yeah. that it, it didn't even phase me the first yeah, five times I've seen this. I didn't even notice it this time until you repeated the line. And I was like, that is what he just said. Yeah, it's, it's just a really funny, clever little thing. That's good writing. That is good writing. I did want to ask, I don't know that this is even really important in the grand scheme of things. I'm just curious because I feel like my opinion changes every single time I watch this movie. Um, but what is your take on Sif and her relationship with Thor? Like, are they strictly like warriors that fight side by side or is she in love with him? Well, that's complicated. I'm a huge fan of Norse mythology and I'll get to that later. In Norse mythology, Sif is Thor's wife. Okay. But I don't think she's like this warrior maiden. Huh. I think she's more of like the, the harvest goddess. Okay, interesting. Because I remember like the first time I watched it, like I remember being so impressed that we have that I'm like, oh, we like fight side by side with a female warrior and there's not like this awkward like love triangle or sexual tension or anything between them. And then I feel like every time I see is. it. Yeah. I don't think it's mutual. Like, he doesn't seem to... Like, I think in his right. mind, it's strictly, like, she's one of my, my warrior buddies. But then it's it's all in her... Almost all just in her, her facial reactions, which we'll get more into in the next category. But just, like, you know, like, when he gets his armor and you see her face, like, she is so happy. And it's a great moment. But yeah. it's, like, man, I think there's something else behind that. And then there's that really interesting conversation between... Sif and um damn I forgot her name his mom um yeah. but there's that great conversation where like 
there's like a hint of sadness where like you know she says like oh I'm sorry for your loss and then you know she's like oh how is he doing and and it's like she and she just says straightforward like you know he he mourns for his brother and he misses the love of his life I guess or whatever we're going with <laughs> I don't think she um, words it that way no but she yeah, just says she her but say but yeah she's like you know and he misses her and it's not like there doesn't seem to be any jealousy at all like it's not like like, oh, man, I'll change his mind someday. Like, there doesn't seem to be any kind of hint of, like, you know, like I said, like, jealousy or, you know, yeah. like, she wants to win him over something. Like, there, it, but there is, like, a sadness there. And it's hard to tell if it's, like, is she sad for him? Because, like, she she loves him as a comrade and he's going through, you yeah. know, some pretty major emotions. Or is it that, you know, she's sad that he's mourning for someone else instead of going after her? Like, there's there's just a complexity there. Which I find really interesting. Um, and I just think, I mean, she's such a minor character, but I, I do find myself kind of fascinated by her. If I remember mm. correctly, I think they address that a little more in the second movie. Oh, I try to forget the second movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't yeah. don't ruin this conversation by mentioning. I guess I'm well, the one who mentioned the second yeah. movie. Yeah. Well, it had to come up eventually, we'll, but we'll get there soon enough. We'll get back on track. All right, so I suppose that's that's finally about all I have to say about writing characters. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Uh, we don't have time for all the uh, <laughs> positive things I could say about this. All right, uh, so what was your score for writing characters? Perfect 10 then? out of 10. All right, I um, I gave it a 9.9 .9 out of 10. I took off um, just a little bit for character development, um, which, which just go back to, I also took it off for plot structure for the same reason. Um, but it, it did bother me enough that I feel justified. Um, and it, it's for that love interest and that, like, I just mm. feel like the, or not the love interest, but just that relationship. Like I was so on board with it just being like this, this cute flirtatious, yeah. like this is new and exciting. Cool. And then it just flips in that last act. And and I feel like they could have either um, developed it more throughout the rest of the movie to make that feel more realistic or um, just not have it end that way. Just have it be like, well, that was fun while it lasted. Yeah. Well, <laughs> she, she did see him sacrifice himself and... He came back I from mean, the dead, sure. and he's dressed like Thor now, so... And so I could kind of see, like, her, like, being more attached to him because of that experience. But, like, what is he? Like, why is he still... Yeah. I don't know. It just seemed too... There just, there just needed more development there. So, so I knocked yeah. it off a half a point for character development. 9.9. 9.9 out of 10 for characters. I almost gave it a perfect 10, just because I did knock a little bit off in plot and genre for the same reason but like i said i feel like it falls under both and i feel like it bothered me within both contexts so there you have it but still 9.9 .9, that's pretty damn close to perfect so yeah all right so that's going to bring us to the next category which is going to be acting and casting um and i will say right at the top of this category i'm like obsessed with natalie portman you know this anybody yeah. who knows me knows this i think she is hands down, the most talented actor of our generation. I, she's just amazing. So I'm mean, gonna have a lot of good things to say in this category because I, I just like her so much. Yeah. Um, but that said, I do think that the acting in general, not just her, like Chris Hemsworth is amazing. Natalie right. Portman's amazing. Anthony Hopkins is amazing. Oh, yeah. um, uh, Tom Hiddleston, like, yeah. amazing. Like, I mean, I could just, I, the list goes on. Yep. <laughs> like every, every single person um, was just, perfectly cast so well 
Um, so yeah. well acted within the roles, the the facial expressions throughout are amazing. The like it, this is just yeah, it's solid and it's it's to the point. Um, a lot of people are gonna disagree with me on this one, but like it's to the point where I'm like, you can tell the Academy Award just just is never gonna nominate a superhero movie because they would have nominated this one. Like <laughs> I think Anthony yeah. Hopkins could have easily gotten one for best supporting actor if nothing else oh yeah i could maybe see maybe not chris hamsworth i, I didn't look to see what competition he was up against <laughs> i don't know what movies were, were getting awards in 2011 um but easily and even tom hiddleston for best supporting actor like, oh, yeah. like the performances was, are he just was really he just nailed it yeah it's like, just he, he was loki the trickster god yes and just and not just with the line deliveries like the the facial expressions and the, the nuances and the yeah. postures and just just everything within the performances top notch yeah even even the kids the two kids that they got to play yes. young thor and, and young loki like if you look at their expressions look the you know child loki is looking at child thor like oh come on <laughs> this again jesus dude, yeah calm down yeah and even just the just their physical like, even if they were awful actors which they weren't they were phenomenal for especially for their ages but just their look, like they looked like yeah. young Chris Hemsworth and young Tom Hiddleston. Like it was, it was really, really great casting there. Um, so I mean, they easily could have just been like, here's here's a blonde kid, here's a dark haired kid, bam. Yeah. And but I really feel like they took the time to to find kids that that had not just the looks, but also able to get that personality across. Like they really um, either looked out or looked really hard. I don't know which, but yeah. <laughs> like. Like yeah, I I completely agree. Yeah, everyone just nailed it. I also think there's there's just some really interesting choices within the casting that like I'm like I'm totally on board for like um, casting Idris Elba yeah. as, as a Norse god. <laughs> like that's that's bold, but doesn't it makes sense. But it works. It works so well. And um, oh, I should have looked up his name, but there, you know the Asian actor who plays one of his uh, uh, his, his warrior yeah three. his warrior. Um, like, like an Asian Norse god, sure, but it works, and like that character is 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 great. Like it's yeah. it's just like choices like that. That's like like this is one of the only movies that you could look at and be like, they easily could have just cast a bunch of like white people because it's Norse. Yeah, like they're Vikings. Blonde hair, blue eyes. Exactly, exactly, and they and they somehow managed to to get away from that and make it work, and and it works like so well. Um, so I applaud not just I mean it's great that there's diversity, but then just just the way they were able to get this cast together and and create these characters and this universe. Like, man, the acting and casting is solid in this movie. I agree. I did knock a little bit down for um, line deliveries almost exclusively. And I feel bad saying this because I like her a lot, but almost exclusively because of Kat Dennings, which it's hard to say how much is the writing and how much was her line deliveries. Um, but like I mentioned, um, uh, Darcy. Okay. And she just, by, by the last act, I was kind of like, I'm kind of tired of this stick or whatever she was doing. Like it yeah. worked really well. In the first two acts, and then by the last act, it was kind of like, "Why are you here?" and and the few <laughs> lines that she had in that act, it was just kind of like, "Like, okay, that's not funny anymore. Just go go away." Well, like, that's that's the authentic eighteen year old or whatever she's playing. I suppose, right there. yeah. I guess that is true. But I did knock a little bit down there, and then extras, I didn't give a perfect ten to, um, which extra is such a hard category to rate yeah. because it's like, well, if you don't notice them, that's good right, but then how do right. you rate that 
Um, but I did, I, I gave it an 8 out of 10 for the extras, which is mostly because, hmm. like, that uh, New Mexico town, like, who lived there? There was, like, nobody there hardly. It just seemed really sparsely pot, And it was supposed to be a small yeah, town. Was, but it know, seemed a little point. too small. I don't like. There's I don't just, know. It's, I, don't know. I mean, There's it's like... not like downtown New York where the, where the sidewalks well, no. are crammed full. But there should be a couple people on the sidewalks. I think There's... there was in almost all the scenes. Were there? But yeah, it was it was a small, sparsely populated town in the middle of some yeah. horrible desert that no one wants to live in. <laughs> yeah, I, mm. I knocked off a little bit um, for extras and secondary characters. I don't quite remember why. I think it's just because... For casting, for like the uh, the Warriors three, I don't read the I never read the comics, so I don't know. Like I'm pretty sure they're very well cast because they're they're very like hitting those tropes. Like if you're playing Dungeons and Dragons and you have your party going into the <laughs> the, the dungeon, this yeah. is what you would have. You would have right. the dwarf who eats all the time. You'd have mm-hmm. the swashbuckling. What what did they they call him? Robin Hood. Uh, Robin Hood, yeah. <laughs> you have the Robin Hood wannabe. Uh, you have some monk. Yeah, it's it's very tropey. Yeah. Which which is good. I mean, that's appropriate. That makes sense. Right. But I don't I don't feel comfortable giving that a perfect ten because I don't know the source material to compare it to. That's fair. And that's not a Norse mytholo- Norse mythology thing. The uh, Warriors Three is something that Stanley and Jack Kirby invented. Okay, I was curious about that. Do the other characters, do you know, like, do they, because like you said, Sif was his wife. Yeah. Were the other characters, like, also in mythology, but not within this band of uh, warriors? There was Ice Giants, and there were Nine Realms, and there's Asgard, and Odin, obviously, and Thor. Well, yeah, I know all that stuff, yeah. but, like, what about the three warriors? No, those were made up. Okay, but not, I wonder why they included Sif in there. That's interesting. Well, is there anything else you want to add for acting and casting? No, I think we said it all. All right. What was your final score? Acting and casting for me got a 9.6. We are very we are very close on this one. I gave it a 9.5. Also outstanding. All right. Uh, so that's going to bring us to uh, cinematography lighting, um, which I could go on and on about with this one. <laughs> um, is there anything you want to say before I go on a rant? You can always interrupt my rants, uh, by the way. I know I get going. Yeah. <laughs> cinematography and lighting. I really liked it. There's a few things that stood out as, I guess you could call it, perfect. Uh, okay. Is that it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd never want to say anything else about lighting. <laughs> uh, no. One of the things that I really liked is that a lot of the shots in Asgard, when they were close-ups, had like a magic hour uh, hue to them. It was kind of a yeah. warm light uh, on the horizon, especially towards the end when you have the profile of Odin and Thor. Yeah. And they're like standing side by side, yeah. staring off into the sunset yeah. while, while pining over his lost scientist girlfriend. <laughs> that was a really great shot. And um, that lighting I really liked. And I also noticed that a lot of the colors of Asgard, especially when they were using the Bifrost or uh, a few other subtle special effects, the the white light was very clearly blue light and red light and like yeah. a little bit of yellow. 
but kind of smeared together. I don't know. I, I don't really know how to describe it. I think I know what you mean. Like I don't quite know the technical terms to, to describe yeah. it either, but... It's like when uh, the Bifrost drops uh, Odin down on Jodendale. Jodenheim? Jodenheim. Jodendale. <laughs> it's the suburb. Jodenville? <laughs> yeah, when the Bifrost uh, drops Odin down on Jodenheim, you get that like heavenly shaft of light, and it yeah. it's not a pure white light. And right. it's kind of subtle. And that shows up in a few other things, like even the, the bridge itself going to the, the chamber room or whatever it is. Yeah. Even that had that kind of lighting style to it. I thought that was really neat. I liked yeah. it. All right. I really liked the lighting throughout, um, and particularly in comparison with the with the three Marvel movies we've seen so far, um, being Iron Man, The Incredible Hulk, and Iron yeah. Man 2. Um, I think in all three of those, we were both pretty much just like, yeah, it's what you would expect from a high-budget movie. It was fine. Right. Um, and this movie just really um, just had its own its own look, its own style, yeah. um, color schemes that were really unique, and, and really just just absolutely gorgeous. I think there's one movie that might be on par with it within the MCU as uh, far yeah. as as far as the beauty goes. Um, but other than that, possible tie like it, it is the most beautiful movie um, visually speaking within oh, yeah. the MCU, and and. A lot of that comes from the lighting. It's just, um, I mean, it, it sets the mood perfectly throughout. Like you were saying with that scene with with Odin and Thor talking on the bridge, like it just it just sets the mood so well. And, and the scenes with with Thor and Jane, like regardless of yeah. what the mood is, like, and the, the more serious and intense scenes take on a darker um, kind of tone or a more um, or a more really stark lighting at times. Like when he gets. Um, captured for lack of a better word by shield and the lighting becomes suddenly very oh, yeah. like very washed out very um very high key you know meaning low contrast like just very sterile lighting in that scenes like when when all hope gets lost you know when he's at his lowest right the lighting becomes very bland and then when he has more hope or when he's you know more encouraged or you know whatever the case may be the lighting gets much richer um so i really liked the things that the lighting did um you know within storytelling and setting the mood yeah. in that way um, and then just the beauty like i said like oh my god it was so just gorgeous yeah. throughout um just just really no matter what the scene no matter what the mood it was setting just absolutely gorgeous um that said, the only thing I knocked down within this category is going to be the realism, um, which I gave a 9.5 instead of a 10, largely because um, I think the focus um, was potentially a little bit too much on the beauty. I just went on and on about how beautiful sure. it was. But my only complaint, and it's very small, I only took down, you know, went from a 9.5 to a 10 in this one category. Um, just because of all the magic hour. I know you mentioned it was one of the things you liked, and I loved it in Asgard, and I thought, yeah. you know, it's it's a whole other realm. You can have whatever lighting, like, who who knows what time of day it is. It's irrelevant. Sure. Like, it's just, it, it has its own lighting scheme, and that, that didn't bother me. But then in New Mexico, like, every single time they were outside, it was magic hour. I'm like, do they do anything that's <laughs> it's, not, it's like... It's too hot in the middle of the day. <laughs> <laughs> but then it wasn't even night, except for when they went to, the, to yeah. get his hammer. Um, so that even though it did look absolutely gorgeous, it was kind of like, yeah, like this is a little heavy on the magic hour as far as like setting the timeline and being a little bit more realistic. I agree. Which, uh, there yeah. were a few scenes where I almost thought that uh, like there was that for a few years and actually still now uh, a lot of movies will like 
crank up the orange and the blue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there were a few scenes where I, I kind of wondered if they were doing that. But yeah. I think it was really just, it was magic hour. Right. And it is, I mean, it is in the, the New Mexico desert. So, I mean, it is very orange to begin yeah. with. So I'm sure it doesn't take much of a sunset to get that magic hour look. That's probably one of the reasons they picked that location is because you can have um, gorgeous lighting even right. when it's not magic hour and it still gives it that look. Um, so I'm sure that is a big part of it. So I'm, I'm sure I'm just being too nitpicky, but I did knock it down a bit for that. Yeah. Yeah. This is just a beautiful movie to look at. I oh, think. yeah. It's just stunning. Yeah. All right. Is there anything else you want to add about lighting before we give our final scores? No. I thought the cinematography and lighting was beautiful. All right. What was your final score? 9.6. Again, outstanding. All right. And I, uh, again, got a 9.9. Outstanding. All right. So that's going to bring us to Cinematography Camera Award, which I think uh, I have a hunch we're both going to have a lot to say about this category. Yeah. I noticed something that I somehow didn't notice before. And once I noticed it, I could not unnotice it. I have a feeling I know what you're going to say. What was the thing? That was the Dutch angles. There are a lot of Dutch angles in this movie. I would not be surprised if more than 50% of the movie. Oh, I think it's probably 70 or 80%. Yeah. At least at least a little. I mean, some were more extreme than others. but Some were very... really extreme. Yeah. And for no reason that I could think of. Like, I could understand there's scenes where, uh, like, Thor is talking to Loki and Loki's, like, tricking him. Yeah. Like, I could see having a Dutch angle to, to make the viewers kind of uneasy, kind of not really sure what's going on, yeah. a little unbalanced. Like, that would make sense. I think that's why they do it. I don't know. But then there's just scenes where I have no idea why they're doing it. There's one scene where Thor uh, defeats the Destroyer, gets his hammer back, becomes super badass, and then he's walking towards his friends that are standing on the street and it's this extreme angle. And I don't know why. I think um, I have mixed feelings on this because I think it was fairly effective, but definitely overdone. Yeah. Um, but I do think like in the beginning when we first see like Asgard, it's almost exclusively Loki that's in a Dutch yeah. angle and everyone else is pretty straight on, um, which I think like you were saying, like it helps us feel a little uneasy and, you know, maybe not even necessarily know why, but just right. be like, oh, something, literally something's off here, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think that that was pretty effective. And then as far as the Earth scenes, I think it was meant to be, you know, a way to make Earth feel like the foreign um, setting and Asgard feel more natural because most mm. of Asgard was shot fairly, except for Loki, was shot fairly straight on, a little bit okay. more symmetry, things like that. Yeah. And then on Earth, it was much more the Dutch angles and, and a little bit more asymmetrical and things like that within the framing. Um, so I, I liked that a lot and I thought it was fairly effective. But then, like you said, there were times when it's like, this is really extreme and it's noticeable and it's not like apparent why. Like, it's yeah. just like, like the only thing I can think of is that it, it was a way to make Earth feel strange and different because that's how Thor was seeing it. Okay. But it was even like scenes where he wasn't in it. It felt that way. And it was um, just a little, it was used a little too frequently, especially like by the last act when it's like, okay, everything's pretty well established. I think you can like even it out a little bit more and, right. and that never quite happened. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. So I don't know. I had mixed feelings about it. Like I mostly liked it and I did really like that it was a way of 
of stylizing the movie and making it feel different than other Marvel movies. Even now with 19 movies out now, it still feels unique in that way. Um, So I like that a lot. And I I think it was mostly effective. It was just for sure overused. And, And some of the Dutch angles were... Very, like there were just establishing shots that were just com- like diagonal almost, yeah, yeah. and it's like this is just like the, the, that's a little much. It, yeah, mostly I liked it, but it was a little extreme. <laughs> that's pretty much what I thought. I almost like knocked off quite a few points for that, but then I realized I've seen this movie five times and I'm just now noticing it. Yeah. So it's it can't be that bad. <laughs> I mean, sure. I'm, not, I'm not that oblivious. Yeah. I mean, I guess. We just said that I am, <laughs> but I don't know. I can't, I can't uh, fault it too much if it took five viewings for me to notice it. I don't know. Sure. Have you noticed this before? Is it? I've noticed it before, but not in a not in a bad way. I've always I've always liked it. Um, I think this was the first time where it maybe started to bother me a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I have noticed it in the past. In fact, I feel like this might have been the movie where I taught you what a Dutch angle was because you noticed <laughs> it. obviously not as frequently or as memorably as as with this viewing but i feel like there might have been a shot where you're like whoa the camera's really tilted and i'm like that's a dutch angle i'm a film nerd and i use pretentious film terms (laughs) the dutch angle really changes the (laughs) mise-en-scene i did it was a a good transition though speaking of the mise-en-scene um i thought just the the compositions throughout like the obviously the um, you know, the camera angles, the Dutch angles were a big part of it. But I thought just just the compositions were were stunning throughout. Oh, yeah. Um, even things like the the frost giant scene where it's just dialogue between like Thor, Loki and, and Laufoy. Lauf- That's the name, right? Laufey. Yeah. Um, he's not Malfoy from <laughs> Harry Potter. But, uh, yeah. Laufey. When it's like the three of them talking, like yeah. some of those compositions are just stunning and it's just people standing around talking. And I mean, yeah. it looks like a painting just, and a lot of that was the lighting like I was talking about, but even just the, you know, the way people are framed and the, yeah. the close-ups, and then, you know, you'll have like, you know, a cl- close-up of someone talking and then zoom way out to see like this extreme, you know, all you can see is Thor's bright red cape surrounded by a yeah. bunch of people, you know, a lot of that. And just, I just really liked the, um, just the compositions. And I mean, it's, it's Kenneth Branagh. It's not like he's, doesn't know what he's doing, you know, but. Even, yeah. Even the yeah. fight scenes, there was. A lot of times there was like action in the foreground, but then there's also action in the background. There's someone else yeah. doing their thing. And I noticed a lot of the camera angles, other than the Dutch angles, there was <laughs> a lot of things like uh, Odin, I think, was always, the camera was always looking up. Yeah, I noticed that too. And sometimes it was pretty extreme, but it seemed natural and it, it, it was right. very effective. Yeah, I agree. And I think there were even, there were shots, you know, you'd see, you know, be looking up at Odin and then down on Loki um, there was that a few times as well, although I guess it was kind of looking down at everybody a little bit because <laughs> he's Odin. But um, yeah, just some of the different camera angles. And this is really, uh, I feel like it's it's somewhat rare and it shouldn't be for for the camera to be a more active part of storytelling. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously some movies and some stories call for it more than others, but I just think this is a great example of like, look how the camera can help tell this yeah. story because um, it's just really effective yeah i guess i'm just reiterating pretty much what you said but but i absolutely agree that just the camera work throughout was was really stunning all right was there anything you wanted to add within this category 
I did notice that there were several scenes that stood out as scenes that I that I expect from this kind of movie, from a Marvel movie, and scenes that I want to see, like the heroic pose or, yeah. you know, people, uh, you know, sort of assembling your crew. And uh, I didn't notice that as much in the earlier Marvel movies, but I did notice that several times in this or when they were when they were like comparing characters or or at the end when they were staring off into the sunset. <laughs> I don't yeah. know why I keep describing it that way, but that was... I mean, that's that pretty was, much what was happening. Yeah, and it was like, it just, it was like a scene, and yeah. it, it's very memorable. Yeah. All right, well, um, I don't have anything, anything else to add for this category, um, but my total came to, to 9.8 out of 10. Oh. Um, the only thing that kept it from a perfect 10 was, was just the overuse of the Dutch angle. I still obviously liked it a lot to give it um, so close to perfect for the category overall, but it did knock it down and, and keep it from the perfect range. Wow. I also it lost quite a few points for too much Dutch angle, but it still came out to a 9.0 which is still outstanding. All right, yeah. All right, so that's going to bring us to the next category in the grid, which is going to be editing and special effects. Um, This one, aside from special effects, I don't have too, too much to say. Uh, One of the things that did lose some points on was for pace, um, which I still gave a 9 out of 10 to, but um, there were just a few fight scenes that went on, uh, not significantly too long, but I did know, particularly in the final fight scene, um, where I just kind of drifted a little bit, not significantly so, and, and certainly less than than in other Marvel movies. Um, but I did, th- there were a few fight scenes that I felt like could have been trimmed, okay. even if just by like 30 seconds to a minute, um, for my personal tastes, um, which I tend to, to zone out pretty quickly with fight <laughs> scenes, unless there's like dialogue thrown in or, you know, something to, to hold yeah. my interest. So that that was one of the things of note, aside from special effects. Yeah, uh, special effects I thought were perfect. Everything really? else I thought was, yeah, I, I didn't notice anything bad. All right. And there was a lot of them. There was a lot of them. And everything mm-hmm. else in that category I thought was good nothing really stood out as bad okay Um, i didn't have an issue with the pacing okay i didn't um think the special effects were were that great um they're definitely um they still exceeded my expectations for Mm. a, a 2011 action movie um, but particularly because we had had two Iron Man movies before this, I thought that the destroyer armor at the end, um, it definitely looked CGI, which, which if I didn't have the first two Iron Man movies to compare it to, I, I would very easily be like, well, I mean, this was, you know, this was 2011. Things have changed a lot since then. Yeah. You know, you got to judge it for its time. And I think I would have been been much more... Um, generous with my score there but because I felt like the special effects were significantly better in um, especially weirdly Iron Man 1 um, but even Iron Man 2 I thought Hmm. surpassed it a little bit Um, but I still gave it for special effects I gave it 7 out of 10 um, which still exceeds expectations because it still looked good and there were very few time there were a few times in the um the frost giant fight scene in the beginning where it did look a little cgi uh, Hmm. a little too cgi for my tastes but that i felt like was more just just its age more than more than it being bad yeah all right and then i don't really have um i don't really have much else to say about editing it was kind of a category for me so what's your score for editing and special effects i gave it an eight out of ten 
Okay. And I gave it an 8.4. All right. So what about the next category, sound? Um, sounds, uh, I definitely love the the score in this movie. Yeah, I like it a lot more than the other movies because this one seemed to have more variety. It has more variety. It's a little bit more memorable. It does still kind of suffer from that. Like once the movie's over, can you like, you know, remember yeah. it and hum it to yourself? Eh, maybe, maybe not. Um, so it does still have a little bit of that lack of memorability, but the second you hear that song, it's like, oh, this is Thor. Yeah. Like, it definitely has that strong association. It's it's easily identifiable. You can't mistake it for any other theme within the MCU. And it's just, I thought they did some some really effective things by, you know, they, and this isn't unique by any means within movie soundtracks but or scores, but I thought it was particularly effective in this movie where they had, like, that main theme. Like, you first hear it when you see Asgard for the first time, and it's this really epic music. And then you yeah. hear it again, like, when he's um, trying to get his hammer back when he first gets to Earth, and it almost has, like, a more synthetic sound to it, or, or I'm, I'm not mm. very um, experienced with music. I, I'm pretty music illiterate, so I'm not sure. Um, it just seemed like it was it was either like electronically you know synthesized or maybe it was just a maybe a different key or, or it was sharper maybe it just, there was something that sounded different to it um that just made it feel almost um almost sinister or like it didn't have that hmm. scene like it just it shifted the mood enough and then when he can't get the hammer then it gets to be very orchestral and it you know, the notes are drawn out a little bit longer. It's a lot sadder, uh, which, again, like I said, this isn't unique. Like, uh, most movies have a theme that gets variations throughout the movie. Yeah. Um, but this is the first time in the MCU that we've really seen it or, or heard it, <laughs> uh, that we've really heard it done effectively. And it really, uh, like, I just thought that theme was used to, to elicit emotions very, very effectively. Like, each time you hear it, it gives a slightly different emotion based on whatever variation it is. Um, so I really just, I really loved the the score overall. Okay. One thing I noticed was the soundtrack. There was actually one song in this. Yeah. And only one song that I noticed. <laughs> but it was an interesting choice, and it was an interesting time that they played it. Yeah. It's once Thor realizes he can't lift the hammer out, and it's like his lowest point, and he gets rescued by Dr. Selvig, who takes him to the bar after being told to keep him away from the bars. <laughs> yeah. They're in the bar, and they're drinking, and he's like still processing like how much his life has turned to crap uh, and how he's lost everything. This is like the lowest point. And in the background, you can hear the Foo Fighters learning to fly again. Yeah. Which I thought was pretty interesting and appropriate. And it was good. I liked it. I added a little bit of extra, uh, not extra credit, but I added a little bit for that. As far as the general like um, sound effects and, and overall sound mix and design and things like that, um, I thought everything was was pretty good. I always introduce those those subcategories as if I have something to say, and I, I don't really in this particular movie. Um, I just like acknowledging that there's more to sound design than, than music, I guess. Um, was there anything of, of note within those for you? Yeah. Um, okay. It was kind of interesting that Thor was grunting a lot in this movie. <laughs> yeah, I guess he did. Um, which makes sense because he's, he's a brute. Yeah. Especially in the beginning and in Norse mythology, he wasn't a good guy. He was he was like a 
just he just smashed things. He was an incredibly <laughs> was, violent person. He was the Hulk of, of Norse mythology. I guess so, yeah. <laughs> he was the god of thunder and the harvest, and then he just like smashed things. Smashed things. So it was it was interesting that he was like had that like brutish essence, brutish <laughs> air about him. Okay. I don't know. There was, there was something very primal and and grunty, and he's like screaming and grunting and things like that. Yeah. Uh, especially during the fight scenes. Right, yeah. Okay. I don't know. That just Stuck stood with out. You. Yeah. yeah. Um, Tony Stark didn't do that very much, I guess. No, he's not a grunter. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, was there anything else you wanted to add for the sound category? Nope. All right. Me neither. Uh, my total score it came out to an 8.6 out of 10. Okay. Mine was an 8.8. .8. Again, All very right. close. Very close. All right, so that's going to bring us to the next category, which is going to be aesthetics. As far as um, character aesthetics go, I have some some pretty strong feelings, both positive and negative. Okay. Uh, as far as hair goes, I gave that subcategory a, a pretty high score, mainly for two reasons. Um, the first is just Thor's glorious hair. Like, he's just yeah. got good hair, man. Um, so you got to recognize that. And then the other one, I just really appreciated that um, Sif just wears her hair in a ponytail and fights. Because I feel like every yep. time I see a movie with a, with a female warrior of any type, I'm like, why would you fight with your hair down? Like, that's just, it's going to get caught on stuff. People can grab it and pull it so easily. I mean, you can do that with a ponytail too, but it just seems so impractical. It's going to get in your face. You're not going to be able to see. Like, who would fight with long hair? That's just... Even Thor wears his hair in a half ponytail when it gets longer. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I just, I appreciated that um, hair design choice, I guess, for her. That is funny because mm -hmm. the uh, the dwarf guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He uh, has really long ringlets that uh, lets him lets him loose. Yeah. I guess. I guess that, I guess that's a double standard. I should have taken points off and that should have balanced out. But, but then the Asian guy yeah. did have his hair up. Yeah. Probably should find out his name. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know any of their names. Any of I know, I don't. Oh, yeah, I just know Sif. All right, so that was the the more positive thing I noted within the, the character aesthetics. Um, so one of the, the negative things that I noticed, and I, I'm going to admit I docked the score pretty significantly, and I considered bumping it back up, but the more I thought about it, the more I was like... It, it just, it didn't meet my expectations, and, and there was no way around it. Um, so, so costumes, um, I had pretty strong feelings. I love the design okay. of all of the Asgardian um, costumes, like all of their, their you know, warrior, um, what is the word, armor. <laughs> like the, the designs yeah. are, are great. Even, even Lokis that should just be ridiculously yeah. silly, like somehow it works. Um, and obviously it's coming straight from the comics, which helps, but yeah. like it should be silly, but the design works. But there was something um, about the the quality that just looked, especially Thor's, but pretty much all of them, the metal looked so plasticky yeah. and, and almost like a, like a Halloween costume replica. Like it was really, um, it was really bad. And I hate saying yeah. that because like... Like, everything else about this movie is so good, and I don't want to be like, costume designer, you did a bad job. Like, I, I feel so bad being so critical, but it was it was noticeably bad. And, and I don't usually, like, I have a pretty high um, 
tolerance for not noticing things like that. Like, usually someone has to point it out to me and, like, be like, oh, did you notice how bad that looked? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess maybe a little. Yeah. Um, And it really... And I think a lot of it, to be fair, because I don't think I noticed that in the past. So I think a lot of it is probably um, all the updates we've seen since then and all the movies he's been in. And I think it's improved significantly. Um, so a lot of it's probably retrospective, um, looking back on it, but that, that's like really my, my only complaint, like my only real complaint within this movie is the costumes. Yeah. I, I did notice that too with Heimdall a little bit. Like he has all this gold armor and stuff, but like, if you look at it, you look closely, like it just doesn't, doesn't quite look like metal. Right. Not what I would expect like shiny armor to be. Exactly. But I I figured maybe it's some... Asgardian metal? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. But I guess now that you mention it, yeah, I could see, like, going to Target and getting your your Asgardian warrior Halloween yeah. costume. And, yeah. It just really... I still gave, I still gave the subcategory um, a 4.5 out of 10, which technically does meet expectations. Um, oh. Only because, only because the Earth costumes, or the Earth costumes, the... Um, you know, like Selvig and, and Jane Foster. Like I thought they all had had unique yeah. looks and, and I liked the the attention to detail within, you know, giving them each, you know, showing their personalities through their outfits, I thought yeah. was was really a nice touch. Um so I I didn't wanna wanna, you know, go below that because because I do appreciate, you know, the detail there. But the Asgardian costumes um were were noticeably uh below expectations for me. Wow. 4.5. I think that's one of the lowest scores you've ever given anything. Well, for costumes, I gave it a perfect 10. Wow, okay. Because it's totally different than what we've seen so far. I agree, yeah. And it matches the the look of Asgard. Yeah, like I said, the design. Yeah, the design is really cool. And it's one of those things that I think could very easily be done very badly. Like if you look yeah. at movies, uh, older movies like uh, the the Dune movie that oh, was directed yeah. by uh, David Lynch. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you look at that, the costumes are kind of neat and interesting, but they're just so over the top that it's just uh, I I can't take it seriously. Or yeah. if you look at um, Flash Gordon. Oh yeah, like, classic. Yeah, that like over the top absurd fantasy stuff. Yeah. And this this is very close to that, but not... Yeah, it's very close, but not quite. Yeah. Which is good. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I really liked it. Even though the the metal, now that you mention it... Yeah, that's a weird metal. But it's a weird metal. Okay. All right. Difference of opinion there. Yeah. Uh, How did you feel about the, uh, if you're all right, moving on a little bit, about the uh, more environmental aesthetics, the the sets, locations, props? Uh, I thought all of it was beautiful. All right. I think Asgard has a really neat look. It's very high fantasy. Yeah. uh, But still sci-fi-ish a little bit. Okay, yeah. Especially with that space background that it had. Yeah, that was nice. That was really interesting. And I think that kind of paved the way for some future movies. Uh, and then the town itself, because, yeah, I guess there's really only two locations. For the most part, yeah. Yeah, and then the town itself, I thought it was great. looked like a dusty little town. Yeah. Sleepy little town with a main street and you know, grandpa's... Okay furniture. Yeah, okay <laughs> furniture, that's right. 
I could see like grandpa in front of his store on a rocking chair whittling or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Like it just seems like that kind of town. And yeah, I thought everything was, was beautiful locations. All right. I, I agree with um, particularly the earth settings. Um, I, I just love that that little town. It just it just captures the the essence of, of small towns and um, I don't know just everything like the little diner they go to just yeah. felt so specific. Um, so I, I really like the the town. Um, Asgard mostly was good. I, I feel like it fell a little bit into the, the same category as the costumes. Not nearly as severely, hmm. um, but there were just a few things here and there that that looked, you know, maybe a little, um, I guess, cheap is the best word, or, or just fake. Um, not quite... I don't know. I can't even remember specifically what it was that I noticed, but I definitely um, felt like the, the Asgard settings were, were almost there, but not quite... Um, particularly, I think, like, um, maybe, like, the throne room and yeah. things like that. Because, like, there's definitely things where, like, um, it's Thor and his, his you know, Lady Sif and the Warriors 3. And they're, like, you know, just hanging out and talking. And I thought those more, you know, the more lived-in spaces looked really good. Yeah. And the more, like, royal meeting halls or whatever, um, there were things here and there. And maybe in Himdal's um, dome or whatever. Yeah, I feel like yeah. there were maybe a few things... Um, and some of that um, very well may fall more into into props than settings, but I feel like it was yeah. it was just kind of set design in general. There there were just little things here and there. I still gave the category, um, I gave sets and locations nine out of ten, so it's still very very high. I think the lived in look is is part of that uh, when you yeah. said lived in because if you look at things like Star Trek, everything's very clean, very pristine, very like futuristic, and if you look at something like Star Wars, everything is dirty. Everything is breaking down. Everything yeah. is very lived in. Yeah. And so you can look at like early Star Wars and it still looks, I mean, it's not like aesthetically nice to look at, but it still looks good. Right. It yeah. looks like real stuff, like real physical metal things. Yeah. Whereas if you look at early Star Trek, it looks like a set. Absolutely. And so yeah. I think this is kind of the same thing. The, the yeah. things that are lived in look good, but the things that are like the throne room or the exterior of the buildings. I think they were trying to make it all shiny and polished and, and, yeah. and really pristine and very clean, uh, almost like heavenly. Yeah. And it, it does kind of, maybe it doesn't stand the test of time as well. Maybe, but yeah, I think I know what you mean. How did you feel about the, the props throughout? Um, I'm trying to think of what props. There's like the <laughs> hammer and... Yeah, there's... Uh, there's really scepter yeah there's really only one thing that <laughs> stands out to me and i know i'm not the first person to to notice this like there's been a whole south park episode about it basically um but all the pumpkins why were there so many pumpkins in that one feast hall or whatever oh yeah like when, yeah. The, when he flips the table and it's just like a table of pumpkins pumpkins go everywhere yeah like you could have done a little, maybe a couple other different kinds of squash or something. I mean, I know that's already been pointed out. That's I'm not saying anything new with that complaint, but like, I, I mostly I'm just curious. I just want to know the answer. Why so many pumpkins? There's there's got to be a reason. That was really the only thing notable with any props. <laughs> that's why I asked. Um, <laughs> that's why you gave it a two out of ten. <laughs> no, I did give it an eight point five out of ten though, which is significantly lower than a lot of the other categories. 
Um, although not within, I don't know, aesthetics overall. I think it might be my lowest, pretty much my lowest, except for Impact on Film, which we'll get wow, to next. That's surprising. Um, it surprised me too. Um, but as I was filling it out, I was like, you know what? I... I stand by it. I, I, this movie is absolutely gorgeous and it is aesthetically pleasing, but it's because of the cinematography much more so than... Okay. And just an amazing looking cast. <laughs> like, like yeah, that's, sure. you know, things like that. But as far as okay. costumes, settings... I mean, the settings are good too. It, mostly the, the costumes is by far the biggest thing that, that dragged this category down for me. It was just a little too unforgivable for me. And like I said, I mean, it sucks because, like I said, the, the design, I, I recognize everything you said about, you know, it's it's unique and it, it fits the setting. Like, it's it's gorgeous designs. It's just something in the execution, uh, quality-wise, got yeah. a little lost. Yeah, okay. Uh, so unless there's anything else you want to add, what was your total for aesthetics? 9.4. Outstanding. Wow, this is the first category we've really... Uh, gone different ways on <laughs> um, although mine's not that low I give it a 7.7 out of 10 um, which does still exceed expectations uh, but is definitely the lowest category so far uh, I don't know about the next category impact on film this one is a tough one um, because it is not a favorite amongst fans or critics yeah um, and so it does suck that it, it drags both of our scores down a little bit um, which I recognize is, um, I, I, I'm not going to call it a flaw within the grid because I think part of what makes a perfect movie is that a large amount of people would think that it's perfect or that it would influence sure. a large amount of people. Um, you know, I think it's more than just one person's opinion that, that helps form the worth of a movie, I guess. Um, but as far as looking at it from, you know, a personal worth of, of how do I rate this movie, it is a little unfortunate in, in a case like this, especially where, where we both love this movie and critics not so much and and fans are are pretty lukewarm on it too um, which i i just i cannot wrap my head around it i i don't i don't understand it i just i i don't get it but anyway all of that said um so so this category is split up into three separate subcategories which is going to be critical impact audience cult impact and historical inspirational impacts um, for critical impact, I was, even though I knew this movie doesn't get that much um, critical attention, I was still shocked at how low this was. I just, I went to Metacritic, um, which is usually what I do for the critical impact score. It was only like, I think it was a 5.6 or army of 56, I should say, or maybe a 57, um, which I then just divided by 10, um, which I probably should have rounded down to a 5.5, but I wanted to, I wanted to give this movie as much of a boost <laughs> as possible, I'll admit. So I rounded up to a six for critical impact, um, which just seems way too low, but that's, I mean, that's what the score is. So that's what I went with. Um, and then audience and cult impact, I looked around at, at several different aggregate sites, um, which actually the, the audience impacts um, or audience scores were higher than I thought it would be considering um, that, that this movie is, is usually pretty low. Like I, I've been looking at a lot of um, since Infinity War just came out and is in theaters as we record this, you know, I've been looking at a lot of, you know, all 19 Marvel movies ranked, and Thor is usually right at about number 15 out of 19. And, and I just don't understand that. Um, 
So that said, I was surprised that the audience scores were a little bit high. Um, so based on what I found, I kind of you know converted, averaged them together, and and rounded up a little bit significantly, <laughs> and uh, and a, gave a little bit significantly. Okay. I did, yeah. I think the average. I looked at I think four different sites and averaged the scores out, and it came out to like a seven point four, I think. And I went ahead and rounded all the way up to an eight sure. um, instead of a seven point five, even though I probably should have rounded down because it does get so low in in those rankings yeah. that I was looking at, but. I, I don't think this movie deserves to get knocked down too much um, just because other people don't like it. So I did try to be generous in this category. Um, and then historical and inspirational impact. I went pretty high on this one and gave it a 7.5, um, largely because it is the, the first movie within this um, sub-franchise, I guess. We still haven't come up with a term for yeah. it. Um, but within the, the Thor trilogy, like this is what started it. And, you know, it's another step closer to the Avengers, and it's the most you know, the most different, I guess, than what we've seen before. Yeah. Um, it's definitely a deviation, um, but still very much so continues forward the uh, the legacy. <laughs> it definitely, sure. you know, still has its ties very strongly with the movies we've seen so far. Um, so I felt okay giving it um, a pretty high score, largely because of the, um, the impact within the franchise as a whole, as opposed to... Um, yeah, I looked at historical impact within that con within that context more so than anything else, okay. um, and gave it seven point five out of ten, which which is probably a little high. But like I said, I, I was I was really rounding up with yeah. with these ones just to to give it as much of a boost as possible. But that said, the the average for those three still came out to to the lowest by far within the grid um, for me, which was a seven point one seven, yeah, which is the lowest by far. Okay. For impact on film, I tried not to round up too much on this one. <laughs> Although I totally understand the temptation because everyone yeah, else is wrong. I agree. Uh, for critical impact, it seems like it was definitely below expectations. So yeah. I gave it a 3 out of 10. Because wow. that's okay. right in the center of below expectations. I disagree. Yeah. yeah. And I think I have valid reasons for disagreeing. I, but, I agree with your valid reasons for disagreeing. <laughs> but I'll, I'll, I'm trying to call it like I see it. Yeah, all right. Below expectations is the gist that I got Yeah. from Critical Impact. The other two, the audience and cult impact and historical impact, uh, I kind of use the same reasoning for both of these. And that is that, like you pointed out, it's very low on people's list. Yeah. For whatever reason, people don't like this movie that much. But... People seem to really like Loki, and yeah. Thor seems to be doing okay. Yeah, yeah. Like he's, the characters themselves. Oh yeah, even Selvig is like he shows up in several other movies. Yeah, and he's funny and people like him. He has some of the best lines. I'm gonna need to get my pants or something like that. <laughs> um, so I, you know, it starts out pretty low because people rate it pretty low. But then I bumped it up a little bit because people like the characters so much. And the characters play major, major roles in the next, yeah. what, 15 movies? 16 movies? I mean, I guess not every wow. single one of them, but... But still several, though. Yeah. I've got Civil War, the next two Thor movies, next two Avengers movies. It's at least five right there. Yeah. So I think this, even though people don't rate this movie very highly, I think people like the characters enough and it it is influential enough within mcu and i do think it, it 
change the look of or influence the look of another movie that we'll get to eventually. So I, I think that bumps it up a little bit. So I gave it a five out of 10 for those two subcategories. Okay. So the total impact on film, 4.3. Oof. I get it. I mean, that's a, an honorable way to look at it. Now I feel bad for rounding up so much, but... Well, there's nothing wrong with correcting other people's opinions when they're I wrong. Mean, when they're that wrong. I just don't understand it. I don't either. How about overall enjoyment, the next category? I gave this one... You're going to be so disappointed. I did not give it a perfect 10. I, I did give it 9.5, though. Um, the only reason I did not give it a perfect 10, and I know this is getting redundant... But the the forced love story in yeah. the last act, um, it's it bothers me enough that it does knock my enjoyment down a little yep. bit. Totally understand. Um, I mean, it's just I, I've already explained it in in two other categories now, so I won't reiterate it. But that's literally the only thing keeping this movie from a perfect ten. I understand that. I I agree with it, but it didn't bother me that much because to me it's like, well, you have to do that if yeah. you're gonna make a movie. So. I just kind of expect that. And I think that's true of almost all movies, really. Yeah, but there you can do it better, at least. Because I liked the... Like, I didn't have a problem with the fact that he had a love interest. And I love Natalie Portman. And I think she's um, one of the most well-developed love interests in the whole MCU. Like, I, I like her character. Yeah. They treat her like shit in the sequel. And there's a reason she's never come back since then. But that's yeah. a whole other story. Um, but like she's a very, I mean, she has agency. She affects the the whole course of the movie independently of her relationship with Thor. Like there's a lot of, of really positive things going on with her character. And I like her character. Yeah. And I like their relationship. And, and you know, they're, they're more, you know, playful, flirtatious, um, you know, attraction in that regard. Like it, it makes perfect sense. Like, of course, these two very attractive individuals thrown together in this grand adventure, of course, there's going to be excitement and chemistry there. But to then take that um, very base emotion that was never developed in the script and turn it into, oh, they're soulmates and they're going to search for each other and they're, yeah. oh, they're star crossed lovers. Someday they'll be reunited. And I'm just like, and I think it damages her character, too, because she has so much agency, and then she just becomes this... Uh, she's, she's basically the character that she makes fun of in Annihilation, where it's like, oh, I'm gonna... <laughs> like, while you're gone, I'm gonna go outside and look at the night sky and think that you're looking at the self-same stars, or... I saw sure. that movie a few times, but... Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, yeah. it's that, that trope of, like... Like, oh, I'm going to long for you and never move on, even though we never even had sex or anything. Right. <laughs> like, well, she's not pining away. She's still very active. She's like... She is. Busting her ass to do some serious science. But the reason doesn't seem to be science anymore. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I just it, feel like it... Anyway, it, I get it, what you're saying. I know. It just could have been better. Yeah. And especially because it's Natalie Portman, and I'm like... She's awesome, and, yeah. and she can do anything, and and you just make her the pining. But she's not girl left behind. But anyways, yeah. all right. If they'd done something better in the sequel, I might agree with you, but that's not the direction they take her in. Anyway, overall enjoyment. Oh, did you did you finish your answer? I think yeah. You did. Yeah. I, I so, guess I declared that you have finished your. I mean, I'm just gonna keep saying. Over. I'm just gonna keep saying the same thing over yeah. and over again. So. 
Okay, overall enjoyment, I gave it a perfect 10 out of 10. I love this movie. This is probably my favorite MCU movie, and it's one of my favorite movies of all time. I was going to say, not just it's, MCU, which yeah. is probably true of me, too. It's, I, I don't know if I would say one of my favorites, but easily. Yeah. I'd say easily top 20, which makes it sound low, but I like a lot of movies. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, I, I I love the theme. I love Thor's quest to, 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 to get his shit together and make himself worthy. I think that's a, a great quest. I think that applies to everyone, no matter where you are in life. I love the humor. There's so much humor. And some of it, like I mentioned with uh, Agent Coulson, you know, son of Cole. Yeah. Like, it's so subtle <laughs> and it's so... It's so it's delivered so straight that that you don't even notice it unless you're really looking for it. Yeah. And I love how it ties everything together. I love how it goes its own way. It introduces Asgard and all um, this mythology. It's like this is some crazy stuff because so far we've just seen like some nerd with this suit, which is really yeah. cool. But that's like yeah, we could have that in ten or fifteen years. Yeah. Because this is just totally different. It's yeah, totally I agree. out there. And uh, I love Loki. And Odin is cool. Everything just comes together so well. I I really enjoy watching this movie. Perfect 10 out of 10. All right. Uh, did you give uh, Thor any extra credit? I gave it four points of extra credit. And we've already mentioned one of them. Uh, one of the things that I like about it is that I just love Norse mythology. So it gets a point for that. Yeah. Maybe that's not a good reason. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> it gets a point for that. The first book that I ever wanted to read and remember reading was in fifth grade, and it was about Norse mythology. All right. So it's great. And this movie uh, had a ton of really small details, like how yeah. Loki and Heimdall like, are at each other's throat almost the whole time. And in Norse mythology, they hate each other so very much. Yeah. They actually end up killing each other at the same time at the end of the world. Because sure. Norse mythology is so cool like that. <laughs> and there's other subtle things like uh, Odin's horse has eight legs. That was actually something I gave it extra credit for. I never yeah. even noticed that until this time around. Then I was like, huh, that, that horse has some extra legs. Yeah, <laughs> and that's that's true to Norse mythology. Yeah. He didn't have his ravens, which he has yeah. in mythology. Uh, but he was missing an eye. There's all kinds of little things. I mean, they, they don't follow Norse mythology 100%. Well, sure, yeah. But that's to be expected. But... When they do, it's it's really cool, and I really like that. So it gets yeah. an easy point of extra credit for that. I get gave it another point of extra credit just because I love the theme of you have to get your shit together and make yourself worthy. That is, of all the MCU movies, that's my favorite one. I'm a total sucker for that. Any yeah. short story or TV show or anything that even comes close to that, I'm probably going to really like it. All right. So another easy point of extra credit. And then... Like we said at the very beginning, this is the first Marvel movie I saw with you in theaters, so it gets an extra credit point for that. All right. And then lastly, the South Park episode. <laughs> yeah. It's it's perfect South Park <laughs> for a perfect movie. It's, I don't even remember anything about that episode except the pumpkins. For stuffy! <laughs> it's, it's so over the top. It's so crazy. Mm. It's fun. It's just... It's like there's so much fun in this movie that it is like spilled over. So <laughs> sure. it's like a perfect companion piece to the Thor movie. All right. And that's why I gave it four extra credit points. All right. Uh, I also gave it some extra credit. I gave it three. Well, I gave it extra credit for three things. I have my extra credit points. 
because um, I tend to be a little overly generous with them. So so the three things I gave it extra credit for, the first we already mentioned, and that was the, the horse with eight legs. That was just a cool detail I had never noticed before, and that, that does come straight from mythology, and it was relatively subtle. I mean... I I'm, I'm yeah, tend to be a little oblivious about things like that, but... There, it had nothing to do with the plot. Yeah, and it wasn't... And yeah, you wouldn't notice it. Yeah. Unless you were really paying attention, I think. Yeah. Um, so I thought that that was pretty cool. Um, and I gave it another... Um, the other thing I gave extra credit for is it is just because Natalie Portman's in it. Sure. Um, which I know is is blatantly double dipping into, into the casting category. But to take somebody who... Although I get... I mean, she came from, you know, Star Wars prequels and stuff. So it's not like she's a stranger to franchises. But she tends to do much more serious movies. So to take... I mean, you've got, you know, even Anthony Hopkins, too. Like, you've got all these serious yeah. actors in, in a comic book movie... Um, which I just think is is exciting and gives gives some merit at least. I mean, the Academy yeah. is still going to ignore any genre movie, especially superheroes, and there, there's still a lot of issues as far as critical acclaim. Uh, well, not necessarily critical acclaim. Critics have come come around um, quite a bit since 2008, but you know, just to have these um, bigger, more serious. Yeah. Very, very talented actors in a superhero movie in is the third superhero movie. And a really weird fourth. What? Iron Man, Incredible Hulk, Iron Man Two, Thor. This is the fourth. Yeah, the fourth. Sorry, <laughs> you can edit that out. <laughs> yeah, the the fourth movie and a really yeah. weird movie too. Yeah, like they really went all out. They took some 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 risks with this. Yeah, so that was the thing I gave it extra credit for. And then the last was. Um, you know, taking this character that in the comic books is, um, at least from what I've, I've gathered, seems to be known for being on the silly side. And I think a lot of people expected this movie. I, I remember being like, I'm kind of nervous about this one. Like, it seems uh, like, like who, who even cares about Thor? Like, it's, it just yeah. seemed so odd. And, and like you were saying, like going from Iron Man to Thor, like... That's a pretty big jump as far as like hyper realism with Iron Man to straight up fantasy in Thor. Like it, there's there's a lot of reasons for people to be skeptical, and then yeah. I think a lot of people just expected it to be, you know, just re either intentionally or unintentionally just really silly, and then to be able to take that that idea and and make it something not just not just serious and like a good dramatic movie uh, with a lot of comedic balance which is nice yeah. but like it, i mean it's just downright shakespearean like it's basically king lear you know it's it's so shakespearean and so classical but it's thor in a modern world like it's, it's yeah it's a guy who flies by spinning a hammer exactly like, um none of this makes sense but it all fits together so well yeah so so i gave it some extra credit just for for being able to find that balance which i think they did really really well um so my extra credit for those three things came out to 1.5 points um because i just divided by two um so that's my extra credit all right so what was your total score my total score came out to a ninety-one point two seven, which I which is outstanding. Yeah, absolutely. Mine was ninety-two point seven three. Wow, very close. So yeah, very close. And with... this this is, I'm pretty happy with that. I think it would have been higher if Impact on Film was higher. Oh yeah. I went. Um, you were being honest with the with the score yeah, and, and what I, you thought it deserved. That's. I, this is okay. I think it should be a little bit higher, but. 
this is okay. It's probably going to be... I would not be surprised if this is the highest score that I give anything in the MCU. I can only think of, of two that might be close. Yeah, me, me too. And, and I don't think they're going to be better. I can think of two that we will be very close, but slightly less. Yeah, Probably that's... the same. I'm I'm sure. Yeah, we'll we'll verify after we record. I know one of them for sure is going to be the same. The third, I'm not positive on. Um, but yeah, this is. I I don't I I just can't even fathom how it so consistently gets ranked right around number fifteen out of nineteen. Yeah. When I'm pretty positive it's going to be my number one. Yeah. Or at least within the top three instead of the bottom. I'm sure it'll be bottom five after Ant-Man and the Wasp comes out in a month. Like, like how, I just, I cannot, like, I understand everybody yeah. has different opinions. And like obviously people are going to rank things differently. That's why I wanted to start Marvel Mondays is so that we can rank it and figure out what our rankings are because right. everyone is different. Um, but to be so different, like, that's so low. And I, I just, like, it's down there with with The Incredible Hulk and Iron Man 2, which, which we gave awful scores too yeah. or or maybe awful is harsh but but definitely low scores like i agree with that those should be at the bottom but then to lump this in with those i just yeah it, I don't it, it blows my mind um but that said before we wrap this up um i did want to since because of all the reasons i just said i did want to take a look at um, so, some criticisms of this movie and, and maybe we can get a, a counter argument going for some of it. Correct some misinformation out there. <laughs> so the first thing I wanted to point out, um, I mentioned that on, on a lot of um, rankings, it's, it's right about number 15 and that seems to match up pretty well with the Rotten Tomatoes score. Um, so it is, as of right now, it is number 15 out of all the Marvel movies on um, Rotten Tomatoes, but it still has a 77%, which isn't bad, um, but it seems to be significantly worse than all the others, um, or at least worse enough. Um, but the weird thing is, um, it doesn't really say anything negative, because I'm looking at a, um, an editorial that, that someone from Rotten Tomatoes wrote, where it lists the ranking and then gives like a description of why yeah. it ranks it, and there's really, it doesn't say anything bad about about Thor, so maybe it's maybe it's just a, a lowest common denominator type thing where it's it's not bad, but it doesn't do anything good to other people's opinions at least. I hmm. I don't know, but I thought that because most people just go to Rotten Tomatoes for for movie reviews, I wanted to to bring that up. Um, but then as far as as actual criticisms, um, the first list I wanted to look at is from Collider.com, um, and they ranked the Marvel movies recently, and Thor, again, came at number 15, and, and what they have to say about Thor is, uh, Thor seems fairly counterintuitive. He's a Norse god, he has awesome powers, now let's strip him of those powers for the majority of this movie and stick him in New Mexico. Yeah, that's, that's part <laughs> of, I don't see that as a bad thing. That's what makes this cool. And in, yeah. in other uh, origin stories, this would be a montage, right? I could see like, that. sure. Oh, I need to become king, and then like go crack some skulls and do whatever, and now you're now you're the king. So, do you think there's? Uh, I'm only asking because I, I I have heard this complaint um, from other places, not just from this list, that that people dislike the movie because he is powerless for for a lot of the movie but i i mean i agree i think that's what makes this because it's it's about it's not about his his strength it's about his 
his his worth, his personality, right. his his ability to lead. It's it's about his character. And so the whole movie, like, yes, he has no powers, but he has to, you know, he has to earn those powers back. Right. That's the origin. And if you think about it, too, like, most origin story movies, the hero has no powers for half the movie. Right. Like, usually, maybe not half the movie, but, like... You know, this, this this movie just kind of rearranged things a little bit. He has powers in the first bit, then he doesn't, then he does again. Whereas most movies, it's more of a right. a slant of, of sure. no powers, has no control of powers, now has control. So I feel like it's just, it just rearranged things a little differently. And people seem to, to really have strong feelings against that. Um, but I think that's what makes it so interesting because it, right. it becomes a character study now. And it's, you know, what makes a hero. It's not the superpowers, it's what it's right. and it's not even necessarily what you do with the superpowers it's it's Who you are character as a person, as exactly a character, yeah. and that's what this whole movie is about um which i just i love and and i know you do too yeah. you've talked about that um I, i'm kind of just reiterating stuff at this point um yeah if if he didn't lose his powers and he didn't go through all that it would just be two hours of some guy with a hammer smashing things exactly and it'd be incredible all over movie, again yeah and I, i'm sure we'll talk about that when we review yeah the the movie that we won't name again <laughs> the movie that shall not be named yeah all right so this is a list coming from business insider didn't know sure. they were in the business of movie reviews but apparently they are they're inside every business <laughs> i guess so um so they ranked all of the marvel movies and they put thor at number 17 of 19 um, and this is their their only their only reason um, with the collider one. I just read the first little bit because it was a bit longer. This just has one paragraph explaining why it's the third worst Marvel movie in their opinion. Remember when very serious British man Kenneth Branagh made a Thor movie? What a guess! The first Thor movie is not bad by any means, and it's actually quite fun, but mostly because Loki is in it. But it's a lot more formulaic than what the MCU movies have become. It's set up the wrong tone for Thor being taken way too seriously, but Hawkeye is in this movie more than he is in Infinity War, which is nice. I don't even quite know what to make what? out of that review. I'm not sure what they're trying to say. Yeah. I mean, it seems like they liked it decently. I disagree <sighs> that it was more formulaic. That that bit threw me, too. Because, like I was saying, it breaks the origin story formula in every way. It's It completely deconstructs it. Yeah. So I'm not entirely sure. I mean, it does. I mean, aren't most comic book origin stories, like, gamma radiation or radioactive spiders or exactly. born on another planet like it's just it's just a thing that happens yeah and now you're a superhero exactly after a montage right and and I, yeah i just don't quite know where that the formulaic thing because because later movies i feel like become become much more formulaic oh, yeah. and, and fall into that hole whereas this i mean yes it does follow a formula but every well-structured movie does and, and yeah. if it feels too formulaic, it's because it's following formulas set up, like, in Shakespeare and in mythology right. and in... Thousands of years ago. Exactly. Like, this is not um, not a new story by any means, but that doesn't mean it can't be fresh and it can't... Like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I tend to take it's... issue in general when people just complain that things are formulaic. I feel like that's not necessarily a valid complaint. Maybe too predictable, yeah. Is, is a better complaint, uh, but everything follows a formula. 
You don't right. follow a formula. You just end up with with a hot mess. Just random like, crap. Exactly. Um, so yeah, that's a that's kind of an odd complaint for me because um, I mean, yes, it follows a formula, but I thought it did actually a really good job of of like I said, deconstructing the origin story formula and especially once you've seen nineteen of these movies. Yeah. Uh, and then once Marvel figures out we can turn hundred million dollars into seven hundred million dollars or whatever it works out to right they stick to that formula i mean they tweak it a little bit but yeah. i can't blame them i i would do that right. too if it was my money yeah and it still is enjoyable like i'm not gonna sit here yeah. and say i don't like the later marvel movies like i still like them but this is i don't i don't see how someone can think this is the most formulaic no not even close all right so that was so they're also wrong i mean i i I mean, yeah. it's, it's subjective and all that, but I think yeah. people maybe are looking for totally different things in these movies. I, well, yeah, yeah. I think that, that everyone just wants, like, a fun smash, good guys beat bad guys. Which, I feel like this... Well, I guess maybe it doesn't have enough of it. I don't know. That brings us... I think this next one might have a, a complaint that I've heard in several other places. Um, this list comes from Esquire.com, and they list Thor at number 16. Um... Oh. Yeah, and their review is uh, one sentence long, and and this is something I feel like I've heard. Uh, this is a, a common complaint. A superhero movie posing as a cheap Lord of the Rings knockoff, Thor ended with a team of LARPers finding an empty CGI suit of armor. That's a very dismissive way of looking at it. I mean, I guess I guess it's yeah. not untrue. Yeah, I mean, that but is... But you can do that with any movie. You can say Lord of the Rings is about little people returning jewelry. Sure, yeah. That's true. That's <laughs> kind of missing the whole movie. Right. Yeah, and the whole... I've, I've heard a lot of people argue, like, well, the whole, like, climactic fight scene is him fighting an empty suit of armor. And I'm like, well, first of all, there there's a climactic fight scene after that where he fights Loki face-to-face and destroys, yeah. the, destroys the Bifrost and ends up losing his brother and, and thinking he's dead. So, like, that's not even the final fight scene, first of all. Right. And second of all, like, the it's not him fighting an empty suit of armor. It's him coming face-to-face with, with his brother and trying to, to do the right thing and, and becoming worthy. Like, there's so right. much it's, more... It's even worse than that, if you're looking at it that way. It's him apologizing to an empty suit of armor. Right. And then dying. Exactly. Because it's not about the fight. It's right. about what are you willing to do to protect people. You know, it's not about right. running in and fighting. It's not about starting wars. It's about doing what you can to, to preserve peace if possible and, and being a, a wise leader and, right. and, you know, doing the right thing and not the brave thing or, or you know, whatever the case may be. Like, he's he's learning a lesson (laughs) he's you know he's he's taking a stand and he's doing what he thinks is right and that's what makes him worthy to be thor he's willing to say don't hurt them they're innocent do whatever you need to do to me like i don't know what i did to wrong you but i think maybe that's a little more complicated than people want from a movie they just want pure good guy pure bad guy good guy smashes bad guy but then wins the girl I, I agree that's probably part of it, but what I don't get is that people go on and on about their complaints with Thor, but then they seem to praise it at the same time for being like, well, but we get Loki out of it. And like, it's like, yeah, you do get Loki out of it. Like, that's a big part of the movie. Yeah. How can you not? And, like, I don't understand how. And, like, you were saying, both of the characters are fan favorites. And I don't understand how you can love the characters so much and be so dismissive of 
how they became those characters. Like, it's right. such they're, a... They're so intertwined. Yeah. And I, I don't know. It just... I, that is weird. I don't know. All right. So there's one more. I guess this one, it's um it's from the Wall Street Journal. And it's it's a reviewer I actually really like. I, he has a podcast that I listen to. And, and I usually agree with what he has to say. This is uh, Joe Morgenstern of the Wall Street Journal. Um, he gave this movie... Um, well, I don't know how he scores it, but on Metacritic, however he scored it, converted to a 10 out of 100. Um, what? Yeah. Um, and I can't, I don't have, I don't uh, subscribe to the Wall Street Journal, so I can't read the full review. So I'll just read, um, read what I can see, I guess. <laughs> so it starts off, like Thor's hammer, this, I don't even know what this word is. Erstaz, maybe? Or, I don't know. What is that word? Uh, Ersatz. It's like Ersatz? jumbled up or mixed up, I think. Okay. Like odds and ends. Ersatz? I've never actually said it. I've only read it. <laughs> okay, I'll go with yours. Okay. So, like Thor's hammer, this Ersatz epic bludgeons its victims into submission. What's more, it requires them to stare at the source of their punishment through 3D glasses. No need for submitting blindly to that. The 3D process in question is one of those aftermarket fakes. That it, like his whole criticism needs to be about 3D. Like, you don't have to go see it in 3D, dude. Uh, but anyway, the 3D process in question is one of those aftermarket fakes that enhances mainly mid-distance bodies and structural elements within the frame. So you can take the glasses off during most of the close-ups. And much of the movie is shot in pitiless close-ups. And that's about all I can see. Um, I guess I really... I. I don't know, the whole 3D criticism. Don't see it in 3D, dude. Like, we all knew that yeah, that was a fad. Weird. If it's not shot in 3D, don't go see it in 3D. Um, so I don't know why he was harping on that so much. But the, uh, uh, I wish I could see more of what he had to say about it. But he he seems to dislike the the close-ups, which I thought were were just fantastic. Because like I said, the, the face acting and the reaction shots were phenomenal. And then just the compositions within... Uh, within the close-ups, like they were very well framed and very well acted. Um, yeah, we both so, really liked that. Yeah, so so I just thought that was interesting. Mostly, um, I guess I didn't really need to read any of that. Um, but I, I, I mean, a ten out of a hundred, and and I, I every once in a while, he doesn't seem to like Marvel movies. I feel like he gives most of them I, kind of low scores. But I, I think that I'm guessing that's what explains a lot of it. People either just don't like. Marvel movies, or they just expected something different. They expected a, a, a silly man smashing things with a hammer. I think that's a big part of it guy, too. Yeah, and gets the girl, and that's the end of the story. Yeah, and it's a lot more complex than that. And this movie is actually, in a lot of ways, saying that's bad. That's oh what yeah, you absolutely. Not do. Yeah, don't just go into battle. Don't be. Right. Don't be hot-headed that's a phrase right yeah. <laughs> yeah like don't don't be that arrogant self-righteous boy yeah yeah like go yeah like, so I, I guess i guess if that's the kind of movie you want to see and the first act like... of this is saying no <laughs> i guess i guess people would be uh but i feel like the, i feel like the incredible hulk though i mean I don't know. Like, that movie doesn't exactly glorify it either. I guess by the end it does, but his whole thing is like, I don't want to be that. But I guess I guess the whole point of yeah, that is, is to... I don't know. I, why am I going back to The Incredible Hulk? That movie was a hot mess. But... <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that's all I um, really wanted to say about just some of the some of the reviews that 
that I've seen. I, I could find more, but I feel like that about covers the the most common yeah. criticisms that I've heard. Yeah, I think it's just people <laughs> from that and a few things that I've seen. It's people who are not judging it for what it is and what it's trying to be and how well it does that. They're judging it for not being the very simple good guy, bad guy, big muscles, win the girl, which, I mean, that's, yeah, that's what people do, I guess. I guess. But it is a bummer that it's so unappreciated. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess that's, um, that about wraps it up. Is there anything you wanted to add about Thor? Yeah. Oh, okay. There was a, there was just a one quote that stood out in my mind. It's kind of funny. One of the uh, Warriors 3 was getting yelled at. He jumped up and said, do not mistake my appetite for apathy. <laughs> that is one of my favorite moments. Just yet I gotta another find out their names because I like dialogue. I always just want to call him the dwarf because he fits that archetype, but he's yeah. not even a dwarf. He's just a really hungry guy. <laughs> <laughs> but I love the Warriors 3. I wish it's kind of a bummer that it's Lady Sif and the Warriors 3. Why is it not just the Warriors 4? Because they're not ladies like she is. But she's also a warrior. Yeah, I think lady is like a like a designation. Like it's not just that you're female. I think it's like like a captain or an admiral. I thought it was more like like you're married to someone. I don't know. Maybe we'll never know. That could just be in specific. Like I think I'm thinking of like Victorian times. Yeah. I don't know. Or maybe I'm thinking of Dame. That's definitely something. That's is that a wife of a duke? No, it's the same oh. rank as a knight. Oh, okay. Just female. So I think that uh, that finally about wraps up Thor. Unless unless there's anything you thought of to add, I know there's always something to add. I I did have a few quotes, but I I've gone on long enough. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Um, so that wraps up our nitty gritty review for Thor. Um, so for upcoming reviews, we have the uh, the very first non-Marvel review coming up. Uh, it's not with Tristan, but I uh, talk about 2001 A Space Odyssey with my sister Jessie, and that is going to be posted on Friday, May 25th. Um, if you're interested in the next Marvel one, that's going to be coming out on Monday, May 28th, and we'll be reviewing Captain America, the first Avenger. Um, so until then, if you're interested in learning how to support Gritty Films, you can check out our Patreon page that's going to be at patreon.com slash gritty films and that's again gritty films spelled g-r-i-d-d-y films uh and i think that's about it if you're so inclined and you want to uh, rate and review this podcast on itunes that would be awesome um and other than that uh that is gonna wrap it up for this review of thor see you next time